Hello and welcome to our Spotlight podcast on immunogenicity. I'm Georgie Makin, editor of Bioanalysis Zone, and I'm joined today by Eric Bonner, Associate Scientific Director at Eurofins Pharma Bioanalytic Services, to discuss his experiences working with immunogenicity in bioanalysis. To start with Eric, would you be able to introduce yourself and explain what began your interest in immunogenicity? Uh, sure. Uh, my name is uh, Dr. Eric Bonner. I got my PhD in biochemistry uh, back in 2001 from the University of Illinois. Worked at a few different uh, locations. Eventually, I joined uh, what was then Millipore back in 2009 as a uh, contract research organization. I was a bench scientist there for, uh, I would say, about five years and then began kind of transitioning more into a, kind of a management, uh, kind of a uh, oversight role. So, uh, I mean, back when I was at the bench, I started off more with uh, development and validation of uh, PK and biomarker assays, and that was kind of my comfort zone. And then uh, the first time that I was put on an immunogenicity uh, project, I just found it really kind of fascinating because it was just a completely different type of bioassay. Um, and then uh, the more that I, I learned about it, the more I wanted to learn about it. And so... Um, Kind of as I've been more managing projects now as a scientific director at, at what is currently uh, Eurofins, um, still the same location in St. Charles. We've just changed names a few times. But um, it's really kind of a, a different type of challenge as far as the, the, the stumbling blocks and the kind of troubleshooting that you need to do for uh, an immunogenicity assay is a little bit different than you would find for a typical PK assay. And then obviously the... Uh, the different kinds of challenges that you can run into as far as, um, you know, the types of analytes you're working with, the types of biology that you're working with sometimes present particular challenges. You know, maybe you have a high existence of, uh, you know, pre or a high prevalence of pre-existing antibodies or you have, uh, you know, a drug that is not a, a quote-unquote typical analyte. It might be a, a small peptide. It might be a lipid. It might be uh, an organic molecule. So... Some of those are really kind of technically challenging and end up being really interesting projects to work on from that uh, perspective. So um, I guess the other thing that I found really interesting is in the last, I'd say, three years, I've uh, been doing a lot of the statistical analysis for cut point for a lot of our projects that we run at Eurofins. And that also is kind of its own kind of little... Um, its own little field with its own tricks of the trade, so to speak, which is uh, quite uh, interesting and, and actually really uh, really fun stuff to do, in my opinion. It, it really gives you a different kind of understanding of how an immunogenicity assay actually works once you actually perform some of the statistical analysis and you actually see where those cut point factors are coming from. Thank you, Eric. When investigating immunogenicity, what techniques do you use at Eurofins? I would say um, probably the majority of immunogenicity assays that we perform are electrochemiluminescence or uh, mesoscale assays. We also do quite a few ELISA assays. Uh, we do have some uh, radio amino assays, RNAs, that's kind of an amino precipitation technique. Um, I mean, as far as the ELISA assays, I mean, we have kind of the standard you know, color metric with HRP technology. We have some fluorescent and chemiluminous analyzers that we use. Um, I would say that's that's probably 
all the ones that I can think of off the top of my head, we've had some discussions before about moving immunogenicity assays to some of the other types of platforms out there, such as Singulex, but we've never, we've never actually pulled the trigger on any of those yet. What are the challenges you face when assessing immunogenicity? Uh, I would say, I mean, some of the challenges can be analyte-related, uh, or I should say drug-related. I mean, if you have kind of a protein-based therapeutic, uh, those tend to be the easiest to work with because uh, they usually will have the types of chemical, you know, uh, side chains of amino acids, the free amines that you need for conjugation to biotin and ruthenium or other types of labeling technologies so that you can make your um, your conjugated versions of the drug fairly easily with antibody. Um, so sometimes if your if your therapeutic might be um, like sort of lipid or a small organic molecule, uh, we've actually done quite a few anti-PEG assays uh, recently. So obviously those don't have um, access to the chemical functional groups that you would be using for for labeling. So that's kind of one one subset of challenges can be analyte related, and then um, I'd say probably the the second challenge would be for um, just the the cut point determination. Um, making sure that you have the appropriate um, population sometimes can be difficult. Um, the cut point obviously assumes that all of your cut point samples are um, naive and ADA negative, but sometimes depending on the therapeutic, that's pretty challenging. For instance, there's a high existence of uh, uh, pre-existing antibodies for, for PEG. Uh, some of the molecules we've worked with um, are fusion proteins in which one of the domains is highly immunogenic, and you know there's a high prevalence of pre-existing antibodies for those. So sometimes you have to do quite a bit of work for pre-screening and exclusion criteria in order to, you know, come up with a cut point population that is actually um, it's still representative of the population of a whole, but it's also as as close to ADA negative as you can get. So I would say those are those are probably the two primary challenges that we face. And how does Eurofin's portfolio of services help with these challenges? Uh, well, it's actually, uh, it's really nice that we have, we have a pretty full portfolio of services just here at our facility in, in St. Charles. I mean, for instance, we have a dedicated reagent preparation team. So um, that's really nice as far as if the client, um, if they send us a molecule, we have a team of scientists that are experts at doing the various labeling uh, kind of reactions so we can make biotin, ruthenium, HRP conjugates, et cetera. Um, pretty easily, uh, but then also kind of under the Eurofins umbrella, there's over 200 labs uh, across the world that are, you know, Eurofins that perform a variety of services, you know, anywhere from, you know, food testing to, you know, GMP release to central labs technology, et cetera. So um, if there's some kind of a, a technology or an assay, you know, for instance, we have a sister site over in Oxford, UK, so um, if it's a technology that we don't offer in St. Charles, there's a really, really good chance that um, it's, if it's not offered in St. Charles, it's probably offered in Oxford. And if it's not in either of those two, it's a really high chance that it'll be at a Eurofin site somewhere. So it just kind of makes it nice for our clients and that they can kind of keep that, that project under that one uh, company and not have to uh, kind of use multiple different companies to, to do the work. What are your three top tips for studying immunogenicity? Okay, I would say um, the number one tip is always um, know the biology. Um, it's I think sometimes people kind of forget that <laughs> there's 
there's actually biology that's going on. They just kind of think of it as terms of an assay. And like, okay, well, I've got my reagents and I've got my plate and I pipette everything together and it should work. And, and sometimes if it's a well-behaved system, it does. But other times, um, you know, we, we recently had a, uh, an emergency project where we were having some challenges getting um, low background. We were getting a high background even in the absence of ADA. And then a little bit of investigation showed that it actually wasn't that surprising because our our therapeutic was a trimeric protein, and so the, the two different labeled versions of the drug were basically self-associating, and we're getting a bridging complex in the absence of drug. So, I mean, just simple things like that, you know, knowing if it's a protein-based therapeutic, knowing knowing the physical chemical properties of that protein, you know, knowing the biology, knowing which pathway your drug is involved in, and how that could interact with your your matrix. Uh, you know, that's that's another important thing that I think sometimes people neglect. So that's that's kind of a mega tip, but that's that's tip number one, and that kind of that should apply to any immunogenicity product. I'd say um, tip number two is always to keep a tight control on your reagents, just to make sure that um, your your protein, your 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 drug, your anti-drug antibody, your your plates, your conjugated reagents, etc., that they're all as high quality as possible. Um, you know that they are free from impurities. Um, checking, you know, as, as you as you begin running the assay, following the quality control trending charts, looking for you know kind of drift over time, just because the um, the assay is only going to be as good as its reagents. And if you have you know problems with your reagents, then um, you know getting a good robust assay is almost impossible. And I would say, I guess the the third tip is just. Kind of the flip side of the reagents is just really having, investing the time in training your scientists and analysts as far as, you know, good, good technique in the lab, good practices as far as not only setting up the assays, preparing all the, the buffers that go into it, you know, good, good lab hygiene, um, just general good, good laboratory practice in that, um, sometimes you, we'll see an assay go out of spec and you kind of wonder what's going on and it turns out that maybe it was due to a buffer contamination or, you know, a, a plate washer that was not being um, cleaned properly. So um, sometimes those kinds of things will end up slowing down a project and, you know, and it's not needed. So it really is worthwhile to um, make sure that the analysts and scientists that are running the assay are properly trained and following all the procedures that they should so you can have the best chance to get good results. Looking to the future, where do you hope this field will be in five to ten years' time? Um, well, I think it's already crucial, and I only see the role of immunogenicity testing uh, increasing as the number of new therapeutics uh, continues to increase and the new categories of therapeutics. Um, I, I think that the regulatory agencies are still going to want to have you know, high-quality immunogenicity assays and neutralizing antibody assays for all of these uh, therapeutics. Uh, we're also seeing in the uh, in the guidance that uh, there's more and more um, uh, kind of a push to have these assays be kind of higher sensitivity than was previously required. So some of the thresholds for immunogenicity that were previously thought well now have uh, become more stringent. And so I think that we're going to continue to see um, kind of technical technological uh, advancements in the types of platforms that are being used to run immunogenicity assays. Um, you know, it seems like 
right now the great majority of these assays are done you know in a plate-based format either eliza or, or visa scale but i think you're going to see you know increased use of technologies maybe with a little bit higher um you know some, you know more fluorometric assays more chemical luminescent assays some of the the assays that have a potential for a, a higher uh, sensitivity for pretty low levels of ada detection and finally do you have any final comments you would like to add um, I would just say that, um, I don't know, at, at Eurofins we have a, a, a good team of, of scientists and analysts that are, are expert in uh, developing and validating these immunogenicity assays, and we also um, we have scientific directors that have, you know, decades of experience in kind of um, managing these projects, and so we have, I would say that uh, it seems that it's fairly rare that we get um, easy projects it seems like we always get everybody's problem children <laughs> you know the uh the difficult or the challenging analytes and so we do have a lot of kind of technical expertise and working with kind of non-standard therapeutics um so um it is it is very challenging but it's also extremely enjoyable and rewarding so i guess i'll leave it at that thank you eric for joining me for this bioanalysis zone podcast for what has proven to be a very informative interview I would also like to thank you, our listeners, for joining us and to remind you that you can find many more resources on immunogenicity via our spotlight pages on the website at www.bioanalysis-zone.com. You can also join the conversation on Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn.